Welcome to the Fear Soul Podcast. I'm Jordan Ray, the Soul Diva, and I'm on a mission for women to love themselves fiercely, live soulfully, transform their trauma and toxic experiences, to reclaim their worth and self-expression. I chat with thought leaders and inspirational women in free-flowing conversations, with a focus on loving yourself, soulful living, emotional well-being, creative expression, and body wisdom, intended to empower you to practice self-love and guide you to your authentic self-expression. I am joined today by the lovely Sarah Marks. Sarah, Hello. introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I will do indeed. Um, so I am Sarah Marks. I run Sarah Marks Coaching. Um, I'm a mindset coach and I specialise in helping women that are stuck um they've kind of got to a part of their life where they want to make a change for either start a new business or they want to start a new career or um just even just change jobs um and I just help them to kind of gain the clarity of what it is they want their life to look like um inspire the confidence and support them to take action to make those changes a reality and start living the life um you know that they dream of as women in particular we can get to points in our lives and end up almost on that treadmill of expectations. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think as women, we just we doubt ourselves all the time. I think, you know, from a very young age, those seeds of doubt are planted. Um, you know, and I, as I mentioned, I kind of see it in my daughters, you know, even now, and it's just important that we kind of we recognize actually you know how powerful and how strong we are and recognize all our abilities and kind of you know making the most of them absolutely thinking of some of uh, the women that I have the privilege to work with is these are women that from the outside look like they have everything and you can yeah look at these women and I'm actually going to pick on one of my friends as, a, as an example but she knows <laughs> that I use her as an example so it's fine she's got a professional job divorced but active social life you'd look at it from the outside it looks like everything yeah. and but when she recently started dating for the first time I suddenly heard all the doubts that were coming out yeah. and it was like yeah there there are these these question marks about worth and the question marks about ability and being able to yeah. move through that absolutely and I think that's the one thing with my clients I would I would love to see them is to see them how I see them because actually you know I do I see how strong and how powerful and I mean a lot of the work I do is um story work so we look at at the past and um, large people and see what happened, what pivots and what traumas they've had in their life and how it's actually shaped the person that they've become now. And actually, even just by doing that story work and having, you know, your story read back to you, you can see people realising that, oh, God, yeah, actually, you know, I have been through an awful lot and I've come out the other side and I've got all these strengths because of it. So for those women to see themselves through somebody else's eyes can be so enlightening. Because, you know, then they realise actually, you know, how incredibly awesome they actually are. I actually had the privilege of you taking me through story work. You did indeed. And um, I've been very open about the fact that I'm one of those people that's done therapy and counselling and coaching and energy work. And I have to say that that process of story work was so powerful and took me to a level that I've never been taken to and brought up things that certainly patterns I'd never put together before. As you've said, 
more than that, actually going through it with somebody, having it read back, having someone else, literally having someone else see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and you were great because you were, you know, you were so truthful in your, in your story and you did, you know, you, you shared so much and absolutely having somebody kind of validating you and actually reading it back and it paints it in a completely different picture. You know, let's say, you know, there were patterns that, but I remember actually, you know, you kind of like, you recognised patterns as we were going, you were like, ah, there we go. That's it. That's the, that's where it is. And I think just having that process of having somebody tell you what your life story has been. It's, um, yeah, it's very, very powerful. And, and I was just thinking, because obviously I don't do the full story work, but using timelines with my clients to, as one of those intro sessions to kind of look at what has happened. And again, wishing the clients could see themselves through my eyes, because looking at some of those timelines and just being able to go, well, it makes sense that you're feeling this yeah. way, or it makes sense that you're struggling mm. with this situation let's put a bit of self-compassion in there let's have a little bit of kindness in there let's work on the self-love that's in there Mm. to be able to move forward because actually these foundations need to be put in place no absolutely and I think it's important as well that I think people particularly with story work they always think there has to have been something dramatic in their past there has to be a significant trauma for it to have shaped them and it, it doesn't it can be the smallest thing but just how you react to that in the moment can have incredible effects throughout the rest of your life that's why I I like the depth that we go into in story because actually you will pick up on things but it might just be a sentence that somebody puts in about you know something how they felt at school something you know something somebody said to them at school it might have just creaked in and they probably haven't even thought about it in the past and then you're like well actually you know what does that mean to you has that actually shaped how you feel about yourself and because it's they've obviously chosen to include it in the story there probably is a much deeper meaning behind it. I just think it's so powerful. Obviously, I went through the story work myself. And like you, you know, I, I just didn't recognise the patterns. I didn't understand. I felt something was holding me back, but I didn't really understand exactly what it was. And it was actually, you know, something that kind of happened when I was at secondary school. And then just that kind of feeling of never quite being enough, always being sort of, you know, pretty average, you know, middle of the road, not excelling in anything, just being good at, at most things which sounds a real positive, but when you're a teenager and you want to stand out and you want to be exceptionally good at a particular subject or a particular sport, and actually you're just, yeah, well, yeah, no, you're doing well on, on that. It's not enough. It's the, and that I really took that into my identity and I was like, well, I'm just average. But actually nobody is average. And that's a really, that was certainly kind of one of the main things I got from my storyline was to actually look at, at different aspects of my life and go maybe I'm not winning Olympic medals in a certain sport but actually I do have strengths I do and it's like you say it's kind of celebrating those and having compassion for yourself that you are absolutely doing the, the best that you can and you are even just by existing you are completely enough I was hearing you say that I was just thinking like not good enough or you are enough rather should almost be mm. a, a lesson in school because oh. We think about our core beliefs are in place by the time we're 16. Most of those experiences are before we're eight, or at least that started that journey to solidify those beliefs. And absolutely, it can be as simple as something that's been said to you at school, something that's been said in as a throwaway comment that day the teacher says could try harder and you're just in the place where that lands and stays <laughs> and <laughs> absolutely and do, as soon as you said that I have a memory of my <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to be a solicitor 
when I was at school, basically because I loved LA law. And I was just like, right, that's it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a lawyer. And this history teacher, I've not done very well in the test. Like the actual results, I've got no memory of at all. But I just remember him throwing my book in front of me saying, and she wants to be a solicitor. And the shame and the, oh, it was like, even now I feel it. I actually feel it in my body. Um, just thinking, oh God, yeah, what, what am I thinking? How can I possibly be? But it was interesting because I, I, I still wanted to be, it wasn't until I kind of hit A-levels, I thought actually, yeah, no, it, it's not going to work out for me. But I, I, literally, as soon as you mentioned that, that memory is so vivid, so vivid. So it obviously had a real, and, you know, he probably would have absolutely no idea of the impact of what he said on me that day. But it's, you know, um, I don't even want to work out how many years ago that was a significant <laughs> number of years ago and to still kind of invoke that kind of physical response um, that you know well you know who are you to think you could achieve something that you want to you know that's powerful and that's why it's so important how we talk to kids you know it's yeah absolutely um, I'm going to come back to that actually in a in a bit but just thinking <laughs> about your um you were saying obviously about the transitions and working with women it's like actually if that's the memory that is stuck in your belief system so both the mind and the fact that you can still feel it feel it yeah then you know when you're coming up to make those changes as we both know from doing that work we might not even know what it is that's holding us back oh absolutely you might not know it was that one throwaway thing but all you know is that somewhere Mm. There's this, whether it's not enough or mm. absolutely, sometimes it's the clarity, but we're still back to like, actually, who am I? Who do I want to become? Where do I want to go? Yeah. And trying to pull all that together while you're not aware that you have these blocks or whatever, a better word in your system. Absolutely. And I think you're so right. You know, and I think it's difficult to look at the future and think, right, this is what I want to become. If you don't really look at the past and think, OK, this is how I've got here it's it's so important um and I think and I certainly wouldn't have been able to go on the journey that I've been on um without doing that story work because actually it did it unlocked an awful lot for me um and just kind of acceptance on you know who I am and actually you know I like who I am um it but it's it's kind of looking at that that process that you've been through in order to see actually how far you can go in the future it's so important and yeah, I think, you know, you said acceptance and that's definitely the starting point for mm. anything, but it sounds so easy to say it. It's like, oh, God, you just need to accept yourself. That's <laughs> it. You just need to accept <laughs> yourself. And yeah. And actually, and even though it's saying that I like myself, there are still, you know, I'm much, much better than I was, but there will still be days when I get frustrated with myself and I don't feel enough. And actually that I feel enough, it's one that's, you know, it's, but it's it's everywhere now isn't it you can get iphone cases and all sorts of i i am enough and it took me a very long time to actually say those words and genuinely feel it that that was and, and again and it's it's still something that i have to work on but it's it it, it can sound so simple to just say i am enough um, but to actually get that feeling behind it and believe it um it's a, it's a process yeah and to be able to say it out loud and you know I'm thinking of um Mel Robbins with a high five challenge and Louise Hay with yeah. the mirror work 
you know, to be able to do that and sit in front of the mirror or stand in front of the mirror and mm. say those words to yourself with the feeling, developing mm. the belief, because that's yeah. not an overnight no. moment. And actually how hard it is to, to get those I was going to say big words, but actually the words themselves aren't that big. <laughs> you know, I am enough, but it's the big yeah. feeling that comes up. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you say, you know, it does, it takes practice. It's, it's you know, I, I remember first learning about affirmations and doing them and I felt silly. I, you know, I would look in the mirror and go, I am enough. I am enough. And, it, I, and then I can't even remember what it was, but there was just one day where I just looked myself in the eyes and was like I am enough and the feeling came and I was like oh this is what people are talking about this this and actually the sense of peace it it brings you is just like well it's it's really powerful and it's just something that I you know I'm I'm 44 I just wish I'd had that kind of peace a lot earlier in my life that's you know that's that's my own and it's not a regret because actually you know I wouldn't be who I was today if I hadn't been through what I've been through but I just it would be interesting to know where I would be had I had these skills and I had I had this belief much earlier on in my life that's no absolutely and it was a couple of thoughts came to mind actually as you were saying that and I was thinking when we talk about affirmations so often it's like oh you know affirmations are the the way but we have to be able to feel safe to let yeah. that belief into our body. So we have to do the work alongside yeah. the affirmations to let that in and to get to the point where, like you said, that one day it just clicked, something had shifted, something had changed. Yeah. And to be able to stand there and, you know, I was thinking of, for me, it's, I love myself. Mm. And it took years and like you, of course there's days where I stand there and yeah, you know right. the beating myself up comes mind to mind or you know as I say you know I have a day that day where I feel fat or I don't feel as good and yeah but now I'm much better at the compassion the kindness the recognizing it the letting it go and bringing it's, in it is it's the letting thought. it go isn't it that's right it's the letting it go it's accept it's accepting it actually yeah today I do I don't feel great I, and it's not a wallowing in it and letting it turn into you know yeah. a few weeks where you feel that or, or just letting it take control and letting it, letting it hold you back you know because it, yeah. it's too easy to sit in those feelings of, of not feeling good enough Absolutely. Um, and that's and that is what will stop it's like you know when I, I speak to to my clients you know a huge part of what I do is instilling that confidence to take that action because actually you know that they they know what they want to do and they, or they know what they have to do but actually having the confidence to do it um it is a kind of a completely different matter so it's it's really you know one, once they have got that confidence and that inner belief that they can achieve what they want to achieve it's that's that's when they move forward that's when they make progress and I think sometimes as well, that forward movement and the taking those steps, it's not always the fear of doing it or quite often it's the, the worthiness of 
receiving what is on the other side. Absolutely. And actually, the, the fear of success was something that I, I didn't realise was something that used to hold me back. I, I, could under, I could understand the fear of failing because, no, you know, nobody wants to fail. And I completely got that. And it was only it was the coach I was working with. She said it was, you know, it was foreboding joy. It was like, you know, you were scared of the success. And that sounds so crazy. But then when you actually break it down, you know, uh, particularly sort of in, in my story, you know, I, I have kind of experienced loss. And so I guess, you know, equating, you know, a very successful business, you know, well, then you've got something to lose. And actually, you know, it suddenly then makes sense why you'd be holding yourself back. Because, you know, if you haven't got this business, then you haven't got anything to lose and you haven't got to go through that pain. Um, but then it, it's kind of recognising that and going, yeah, but, you know, think about the joy. And actually just because, you know, something happened in your past, doesn't mean you're going to lose this it doesn't mean you know because it and it's 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 that kind of kind of learning um and say you know just pushing yourself forward yeah and I was thinking as you were saying about losing actually also if you've never had it before how do you know what that feeling is going to be that's how do you know how you're going to respond Mm. so there's almost that fear of the unknown so it's yeah you know if your if the narrative you're telling yourself is I always fail yeah the fact that therefore this is going to be a completely new thing and unknown and what's that Mm. going to mean I have no idea so if I keep failing I know how that feels I can that's comfort yeah yeah absolutely yeah completely yeah no it, it is because you know, we do, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone is not something as humans we like to do. It's, you know, it, because you feel safe. So even if safe actually is sitting there with nothing and, you know, like say sitting in failure, it's comfortable. It's what we're used to. Um, but it's, you know, and it's recognising, I guess, you know, that you don't have to do that. You know, you don't have to sit there. You know, it is kind of accepting that you know you you are going to be fearful there's never going to be necessarily a time where you're going to go yes right that's it I've got all the confidence in the world I'm going to go out and do it there's always going to be some part of you because that fear has kept you safe and so it's it's going to be you know, just accepting that that is part of it um but just kind of you know moving past it I was thinking of um actually the not just the coaches that I kind of follow on social media but other celebs or mentors for want of better words and actually I really love those that are honest about their journeys and it's not just the here's the gloss and here's all the positive actually this is what the journey looks like this is what it's like where I'm doubting myself and I'm having one of those off days or an off week or when they talk about failing, actually, they also add their feelings. Yes. Um, I think, I remember reading, uh, funnily enough, Duncan Ballantyne, and, you know, he talks about failing, and he talks about, Mm. you know, some of his businesses going down. But what I can't remember him talking about is actually how that made him feel. Oh, that's interesting. It's not that he didn't write it, it just doesn't stand out for me. I remember the stories of the... Yeah. feeling but not how it's the feeling whereas 
funny enough the other person that's just come to mind is Mel Robbins and she had I was TV, thinking of Mel Robbins her TV yeah. show and that obviously yeah. got taken off and she was very yeah. open you know she, she was, was there really saying open, how disappointed she, she was yeah. and how it was making mm. her feel and the time that she needed to take before she could step forward again and and I really so do you think that's a, that's a male do you think that's a male female thing do you think that's you know just as women we're more in touch with the feelings and that I think that's changing now but I mm. guess when you're talking about also maybe older school entrepreneurs yeah I guess the ones that are out there and certainly the ones that are coming into my mind straight away are all male and they all happen to be mm. white male as well you know yeah. I've, I've got like Alan Sugar, Dun- <laughs> Dun- Dun- Duncan Ballantyne. Um, We're so on the same wavelength they're exactly who I was picturing as well. Yeah and Oh, you know when you lose your words uh virgin richard richard branson thank yes. you his surname was yeah. not coming into my head <laughs> um so i guess we are talking a type of person and also maybe at that point being open on feelings you know wasn't what you do i think that is changing and i think there are now male entrepreneurs out there who may be more honest and open about their feelings but no I think there's definitely a a feminine yeah. side that's definitely a feminine energy of that openness and um honesty I think you're right I think because it, it was it would have probably been seen as as a weakness to to talk about how failure would have made him feel um yeah that, that sort of that vulnerability would necessarily come easy to I guess probably a man of that age yeah and I was just thinking of the you know of the time and it's mm. it's become much more acceptable you know we're now in a, a time where talking about mental health certainly with men talking about mental health vulnerability yeah. sexuality all those mm. I guess all those elements now where we're much more inclusive yeah but going back to maybe you know 10 20 years ago even where that wasn't as accepted and um, I love the random things that come to my mind when I have these conversations um, I was actually I was thinking of somebody like Oprah where going on her show and being open was this new thing it was huge wasn't it yeah 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 so I think now we are in that that different time and um you were saying earlier about if you'd known this when you were younger but actually you know we're both similar age and it's of that time you know Mm. we didn't have all of this open conversation about mental health or self-worth or Mm. it it wasn't there it it wasn't seen as something that was needed Mm. I guess at the time no and I and I love the fact that I really do because I think that's such a force for good because you know, my daughter the other day she talked about she said something all about self care, and I was like, yes, yes, that is self. <laughs> and I love, I just love the fact that she's got that concept that actually, you know, she needs to take care of herself, and it's not selfish to take care of herself because I think that's that's certainly something that I think I've probably felt, you know, because you know, my mum was a she was a stay at home mum for for a long time, um, and she absolutely put us um above everything like she really she was you know absolutely first and foremost she was a mum 
Um, and I, when I became a mum, I definitely kind of felt that was what I needed to do. That was, uh, but you know, as soon as you actually understand that you can't do everything unless you're taking care of yourself, and that is such a, a it feels like a, such an alien concept. Um, because you do, you just feel like kids should come first, and you don't. But actually, you know, and and it's not just you know a relationship with your kids; it's a relationship with anybody. You know, you cannot maintain it if you're not taking care of yourself. Um, so you know, it does. And I just love the fact that she's got that. You, you know, just the, the mention of self care and understanding, kind of that actually it's important. Oh, just brilliant, and that and that is because it's talked about so widely. And I was, I was thinking, you know, we've now got all the we've got apps available that yeah. talk about it, support it. Mm. Um, there are these conversations going on and there are conversations going on from, you know, very strong male figures as well as yeah. female figures. So we're back to actually now it's opening up those conversations and feelings mm. and opening up struggles that they've had as well because I think that's the other bit is when I was at school and thinking teenage years and like you I'm <laughs> probably not gonna admit exactly how long ago um yeah. I can't work it out to be honest <laughs> <laughs> too, many years, too many years too many um but I we just didn't have the those role models speaking out no. and Therefore, you know, I certainly know when I was struggling and struggling with myself and who I was and kind of how I fitted in, um, not just with friends, but kind of that bigger picture of, you know, well, I, I have these values and I have these thoughts and I have these things I want to do, but how does that fit? But alongside doubting myself, and you know not feeling as worthy there wasn't anybody out there saying anything you know we didn't have twitter and instagram and yeah. now you know we do have this whole host of people including celebs including people who are saying well actually this has been my journey Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, Fern Cotton is one that really sticks in my mind because, you know, obviously, you know, she's younger than me, but I remember that she, she was one of those people that just looked like she was always having fun, wasn't she? You know, so confident, so doing all this live TV and just, she just looked like she was, you know, and she was struggling, you know, and she's been so, so open about her struggles. And it's, it's, it's inspiring. It really is inspiring because, you know, I think we all do, I think, there's not anybody that doesn't go through a period of doubting themselves. But, you know, to admit that that's, that's exactly what you're going through, um, you know, it just, it makes you vulnerable, but it, it's, it's, I guess it's, you know, part of the process to actually moving past it. When I was thinking about, you know, anxiety and imposter syndrome, and certainly when I first started work and you know that there was this real sense of imposter syndrome mm. you know I'm, I'm a kid and I'm in this <laughs> grown-up world and <laughs> how does it how does it all fit together and I'm you know anxious about going to things and and I say that as a kid but actually even as I was older you know having to go to certain meetings for the first time in a job that I could mm. do and I was fully yeah. competent in 
still having this imposter syndrome, still having a, not a clinical level of anxiety or uh, anything that needed support, that natural level of anxiety and and worry of, well, you know, there's going to be all these people in the room and why am I here and do I deserve to be here and do I have anything to contribute and all of this natural level follows you through and again it's I guess for me it's not just the struggling with someone like Fern Cross and speaking out but again actually it's these people that are performing and on Mm. television and film and theatre and who talk about anxiety and stage fright and all those bits that you would never put into the way that we see them absolutely absolutely yeah it's 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 staggering you know like somebody somebody like Adele can feel sick with stage fright before she steps I mean that's just incredible and you think yeah there's no wonder you know we just naturally doubt ourselves but it's interesting you said that you felt imposter syndrome sort of you know as soon as you kind of entered the workplace because I I feel like mine didn't really kick in for a good few years I think when I started I felt kind of covered by almost feeling like the the child in the situation and that I was eager to learn and it was exceptional it was when I got that little bit older and then people started coming in and I had people working underneath me and then all of a sudden you're like oh hang on a minute you know I'm meant to be at this particular level and am I at this level and can I speak to these people at this you know can I demand something of these people and it and that's where it really kicked in for me and I remember you know sitting in in meeting rooms and having having ideas and thinking we're doing that wrong with it and just not having the confidence to because I didn't have value or I didn't value you know my experience and that actually you know and I quite often find what I do is I then speak to you know my manager afterwards and they'd be like oh yeah that's a great idea and even that wasn't enough for me to go okay next time you know maybe you know I, I do I kind of I speak up it's a real it, it, was, it was a real change in attitude um, once I started getting that little bit more responsibility. I kind of, I liked the first of, you know, two or three years of working because maybe I thought I could get away with it. I was like, well, I'm just still learning. I'm still new. And then as soon as you sort of like pass that new stage, you're like, oh, oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it also depends what the role is because I was thinking actually my, my first post university you know I'd done the bar work and all of that stuff but my first mm. post-university role was uh marketing assistant it, actually in a London nightclub so I was booking some big name, big name. D- DJs and performers so there was a lot of imposter syndrome because yeah. back to actually I was booking my idols and I'm like <laughs> yeah. okay these people are here and if I get any of this wrong <laughs> so so yeah maybe it was more about that than mm. um and you're right, it, it kicks in in different ways, actually thinking about then f- further on where I didn't have that so much in certain job roles, but then it came back in others. So, yeah, yeah, I think it, it does depend. Well, um, I, mean, I think my, my, my biggest imposter syndrome was when I, because I was a stay-at-home mum for um, five years, and then the thought of going back into PR and marketing, going back into an office and picking up where I'd left off, terrified me. At, like, I just... I didn't think I had it in me. I, I felt like I'd forgotten everything I'd ever done. Um, and that happens so often to women, I think. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, five years was quite a significant amount of time, but 
you know, even six, nine months, it can really affect your um, confidence in going back. And I think that's why so many women kind of look for that kind of career change um, after they've been a stay-at-home mum, partly because maybe they want, you know, their priorities to change and they want, um, you know, a different work-life balance. But I think a lot of times it comes down to they don't feel that they can pick up where they left off. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, you've said it, it's things shift. I think things, mm. absolutely, there's there's a natural shift. Um, but stepping out of anything and going back, you know, even for me when we'd had, um, after lockdown and I'd gone back to mm. uh, my old role rather than the one I'd been in during lockdown and there was this sense of can I remember how to do it <laughs> can I remember what, I, what I, and I'm like hang on this is a job I did for 18 months no problem not an issue but just even being out for that short period with the changes mm. that had occurred with lockdown yeah um there was there was this I I hope everyone's going to be kind and gentle with me <laughs> it's, it's like this is you know and I was about to say this is silly, but actually this is what, as women, we do all the time. And this is how we downplay Absolutely. it all the time. Absolutely. Because we talk about it as, well, it's so silly. No, it's real. And this is where yeah. we need to be kind with ourselves, compassionate with yeah. ourselves, and also open so that yeah. women know that they're not the only ones having this thought and going through this. There are other women out there doing it and they can be supported in it. Absolutely. Because actually, you know, once you do get going again, it's incredible how quickly it all comes back to you. It really is. And, and it, you know, it's kind of like riding white, but it is, you know, all these things kicking in. And actually, you've got a wealth of experience, you know, just because you've been out for a couple of years, that experience hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. So actually, you know, when you are in a meeting and you, you know, you're being asked your thoughts on something, there will be something there. And I think that was, that was my fear. I thought, that's it, I've just forgotten everything. I don't know. I just, I, I know nothing. <laughs> um, but, you know, as soon as I started having conversations with people and things would come out and be like, oh, I remember when I did this and this worked. And, and you're like, it, it, it's all there. And, it's, and I think that was what we don't do as women is we don't value our experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think, unfortunately, in the workplace, we still have this i can't think of exactly what the word that i'm after is but um imbalance i guess where because it's the woman that generally takes time out after having children yeah. um that there is something seen as oh that well they're not going to be in the same place when they come back that there's almost this societal view as well yeah. Um, rather than it actually it's the guy that's been out for you know nine months and... absolutely and I do think it's changing I do think you know it, uh, you know women are kind of going back into the workplace and, and they are managing that that kind of transition a lot better than, than they used to but I think you're right there's still that kind of expectation that maybe you're because actually when I went back I, I, my first daughter I had um, best part of a year off maternity leave and they went back on a four-day 
week contract or as I've previously been working for anybody who's done that you know you know you basically are working five days <laughs> just in a very short amount of time <laughs> um and getting paid obviously you know 20 percent less but it, it is that expectation that you know it's you're not necessarily going to come back and be the person that you were beforehand um yeah and and I also think there's so much more as well and you know uh Susan Hyatt who you <laughs> you know that um she's somebody I've worked with a coach that I work with but she talks about the invisible workload of women and I think as well as going back it's also then you know coming home the family being mm. there and quite often having sort of all those additional roles that nobody talks about and then how you balance all that I yeah. think you know the bit we haven't been able to I was going to say we haven't been able to hide, but I guess wasn't probably talked about again as much, but is now out in the open is actually how patriarchal our Western society is, yeah. where these expectations sit. So there is, there's a lot of pressure on, on women, whether you have children or not, there's Absolutely. still this yeah. pressure. Oh, completely, completely. Yeah. It doesn't, just because you have children, that's just another thing in the mix, but it's, it's, no, it's whether you've got them or not, I think it's, it's still very similar issues. Yeah, I was um, actually I did a video this week and I was uh, talking about when I'd worked in security and obviously it was very masculine environment, masculine mm. energy. And it brought back memories of every time I moved teams, every time I went somewhere, I had to start again. I had to prove myself. Mm. Um, so everything you were saying about the experience. Yeah. It, it wasn't something that I could kind of carry through. It was, it wasn't, I could turn up with, you know, even my recommendations because in that particular environment, it's like, no, we need to see you can do it. Yeah. So yeah. every new space was this, oh, I've got to push again. I've got to try again. I've got to prove myself again. Mm. And I just remember, although I loved the job, it was like, at what point, can I just turn up and somebody go it's we're going to accept you exactly we would one of the guys yeah and, and that's exhausting isn't it having to put yourself through that that level of pressure to prove yourself time and time again but again I was just thinking for you know for women I guess even that going back there is that level of proof horrible word um yeah not just to themselves but actually to others because you're now back but you've had a change in your family whatever that is yeah yeah no absolutely and it is it's it's I think it's changing but I've, it's probably changing slower than it should be it's um that's a process and I think you were saying something earlier as well um which I was going to come back to and you were talking about obviously teenagers now and mm. what they have and my thinking was going actually it's, it's even harder as if you're a parent you know who's got teenagers that are going through this while you're trying to go through your own stuff yeah well I have to say I mean and that's what I because uh, you know we've discussed my, my, my daughter suffers with anxiety and actually going through being coached myself and going through the process and then qualifying myself as a coach has really helped me support her in that because I'm a lot more mindful about the language I use around her and 
you know, I can see where she's saying things about herself and I'm thinking, no, no, that, you know, that could become a limiting belief. I'm trying to kind of pick her up on it straight away and like, no, no, that, you don't mean that you're, you know, that's not a belief you want to have about yourself. You are brilliant at this or, you know, it's, um, so actually, yeah, we are, we are, I guess we're going through it together. Um, and that, as much as I would have loved to have already kind of been there and doing it, actually, I think it's, it's kind of helping her. You know, the fact that, you know, she is talking about self-care. Yes, she might have seen about it on a TikTok, but actually it's something that I'm talking to her about as well. Um, and talking about, you know, visioning. And I love the fact that she's really into vision boards and, you know, it's, and I, I just, I absolutely love, because that would have been an absolutely alien concept to me. Um, and so actually, I just feel like it's been everything that I'm learning now, I'm able to pass on to her um, and really kind of support her, particularly you know, with her anxiety, because it does bring up so much self-doubt and it does, it can have a real crippling effect where she just can't do the things that she loves to do. Um, so actually being able to kind of coach her through that process um, has been immense you know it really has helped and I don't think it's just helped her I think you know I think I have helped her to, to kind of make progress but it's helped me deal with it you know because you know as we were saying as a mum you God, you just want to fix it you want to make all her anxieties go away and you know let her live because you know particularly when anxiety hits with a teenager you know you, you, all of a sudden they're this bubbly confident little girl anxiety hits and you don't recognize that child and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking but actually accepting that there is no magic wand you know you just have to manage the process as best you can and support them as best you can um that's really hard for a mum because it's it doesn't you know you do you just want to you want to fix yeah um, absolutely and work you know working with anxiety is working with the uncertainty absolutely absolutely and again that just kind of goes against the grain because you want to offer them and I think particularly the last couple of years you know going through the pandemic and you know hearing about the war in Ukraine you know it's I remember sitting with um my daughter and she was talking about this this virus in China and saying that uh, her friends she was really getting quite frightened about it um because her friends at school had been been talking about it and I was like no 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 it's, it's miles away we've got protocols in place you don't have to worry about it and I tell you what I will never say never again because it was only like a few weeks later and boom you know we're in lockdown and that was a real learning moment for me actually because like you say you cannot offer certainty to anybody really as much as you want to do to, to do that as a parent you want to say no this is never going to happen you know just don't worry about it just focus on all the positives in life actually if any, if the last few years have taught us anything you know anything is possible um but it's it's how you react to those situations and how you manage it um that's the most important thing it brought to mind the fact that actually when i've worked with uh parents quite often what's brought them to come and get the support and and um, and work on their own issues is they don't want to pass that down or they're starting yeah. to see their kids go through something similar and now mm. it's like no I want to break this cycle I need to address yeah. it so I can then support them as well absolutely because you want you want to be a role model 
for your kids, don't you? You absolutely do. Um, and I think, you know, being a role model is about working on yourself and being the best version of yourself that you can be. Um, and so, and it kind of goes back to, you know, going against the grain and actually putting yourself first and taking care of yourself and making sure, you know, you're achieving what you want to achieve because actually that sets the best example, you know, so that particularly when you're, when you're, when you're raising daughters, they know that it's, it's absolutely imperative that they put their own needs first. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that is the message that we need to get down the, I guess, get down the ages actually. Mm, yes yeah. it's okay to put yourself first as you were saying earlier it's not selfish but also to start this work earlier because rather than going back and breaking cycles and undoing everything we've been carrying around for however long it is that being able to do that work at the time while everything is there and live and for me you know I think one of the things that I always remember from um, when I was working in doing my work in cams was looking and going, actually, so much of this work is systemic. So much of this work should be involving the family that yeah. this isn't a fix my child moment. This is a how can we work on all the layers? So, you know, if we're mm -hmm. scaffolding parents they've then got the knowledge, the support and the ability to support their child, as well as being, you know, having that additional support in place. Yeah. And I was going to say what I think is hard in that sometimes, though, is for parents who might not be ready to look at themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Seeing it in their child. But if they're not ready to look at themselves and not ready to... Mm unpack that being able yeah. to do that work is, is oh absolutely and, and and that's you know we, we were talking before weren't we about you know some people they might like the idea of being coached but they're just simply not ready to open up and to actually do the work um to be vulnerable and and to challenge your beliefs um because it, it's not easy it's not an easy thing to to actually look at yourself um and look at at things that you need to not necessarily you know fix but just things that you need to address and maybe thoughts that you need to reframe um you know it, it it's it's quite it can be very emotional um but I have to say having gone through an awful lot of it myself it is so rewarding so rewarding you know just that the peace you get when you know when you have you know that kind of acceptance um there's just nothing nothing quite like it really no and I was thinking when you were talking about the vulnerability you know I spent so many years trying to hide mine mm. um so many years that you know vulnerability was this weakness you, you you're not vulnerable you don't show it and I always remember, interestingly, I always remember um, my toxic ex that I refer to. Um, <laughs> you know, he'd met me. I was working the doors. Obviously, that's how I came across. 
and I remember he came back one night and I wasn't feeling very well and I was literally curled up against the radiator crying and he didn't know how to respond to me but of course then that reinforces the the vulnerability isn't a a good place either and it's taken me a lot of time to go no actually being open isn't vulnerable you know it is vulnerable but there's a strength in it exactly it's not weakness is it it's not weak yeah no and we've just talked about you know people like Fern Cotton Mel Robbins how inspiring Mm. it is to hear their honesty and their openness but they've had to be Mm. vulnerable to share that but actually they're sharing their story it's we know it's been healing for them they've said that Mm. and therefore it's also inspiring and healing for us so again to keep that Mm. going and moving forward um, yeah. And I think as well, to, you know, it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to absolutely be upset or to, mm. you know, feel angry. I know I've said this before on one of these videos, but again, I think as women, we get told to repress our anger or, or it's anger's bad. And it's like actually the feeling itself isn't good or bad. It's a neutral feeling. It's a feeling. It's yeah. how we express Just, it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, I know I used to, if I was crying for whatever reason, I used to try and hide it from the girls. I used to think, you know, oh, no, you know, mum's fine. I've got hay fever. I've got something in my eye. Whereas now, you know, if I'm having a day, um, well, there was sort of an, an anniversary of losing one of my parents um, came up and, and I was really upset. And I told them, you know what? I missed my dad. You know, and it's and actually... I think that's good because, oh, if I, you know, even if I'm just having a bad day, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying, but I just need to cry. Um, because I did, I think, you know, it, it's just kind of ingrained in you that it's not good to cry. It's not yeah. certainly, you know, it, but actually it's a real physical release. And sometimes we absolutely just need to do it. And it can make you feel so much better. Um, and I don't want it to be something that, that my girls feel they've got to hide um, from particularly from themselves I don't you know if they're feeling that way I want them to accept that that's how they're feeling I remember reading something yesterday actually it was about this whole debate about crying at work um and particularly in in something like you know social care or working in mental health where we're supporting others to be vulnerable and express their feelings Mm. and identify their feelings but actually having your own is again quite often criticized I'm not talking about in front of your your clients but actually if you've had a really bad day and you've gone back to the Mm. office and that's how you're feeling actually what do you do with that and again what came to mind was when I worked the doors when the guys got angry quite often they'd go and punch something Mm. they could do that as discreetly as possible and they could kind of mask their anger a little bit Unfortunately for me, my anger always came out as tears. Yes. Yeah. It was a lot harder to mask. <laughs> but and of course, we're back to I'm the woman on the team who's now and it's, yeah. crying. And, and it's, that's absolutely. And it's the same feeling. It's just how you choose to express it. And it's it's no weaker to, you know, have, break down, have a have a cry for moments than it is to punch a wall. You know, it's it's just a physical manifestation of an actual feeling that's all it is yeah. but yet we associate tears with weakness absolutely and and yes yeah, so you know it, it's back to that 
we are back to those sort of you know those masculine feminine mm. what is seen as masculine and feminine traits and also the energies you know that actually mm. I think if we're becoming more accepting of those more feminine energies and expressing your feelings yeah. is there doesn't matter whether you're male female non-binary mm. other however you describe yourself um that we need to be more comfortable with this that mm. it's okay you know we want people to be joyful and happy and I think we actually suppress that just as much as we suppress tears because yeah certainly in England yes. <laughs> certainly in England I, I think maybe you know maybe my a lot of my American uh, friends uh, might be different um but yeah, we're not very good at celebrating ourselves. So while we suppress mm. the, the the tears, the anger, the those emotions that are seen as negative or more negative, actually we're not. <laughs> we're just as bad at doing the other side oh, as well. Absolutely, and that's that's actually one thing that crops up with nearly every client I've ever worked with is that something amazing happens to them, and they just oh yeah, that sounds like look what you did to celebrate it. Oh, well, I don't well, I don't know. Well, and it's that and it's so important that we like say that you recognize those achievements and you celebrate the good times is there anything else you would like to add before we finish no i think we've been on quite a <laughs> we've been on quite a journey on, on this conversation i, I, I love our com- <laughs> the, the conversations are just going on journeys sarah if anyone wants to get in touch with you um after this how can they do that yep my instagram handle is uh, sarah marks coaching that's probably the best one. Um, and my Facebook um, is, again, Sarah Marks Coaching. So you can find me on, on both of those. Thank you very much. That's um, great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for yet another Fierce Soul Conversation. To find out more about me and my work, please see the links in the show notes. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I look forward to you joining me next time.